Well, thank you for joining me, everybody. We're here for another episode of the Aviation Growth Podcast. And joining me, I have Gunther Schindel from ASQS. Um, maybe we could start with just a little bit of an intro into who you are, maybe a little bit of a background on the company. And um, yeah, we want to talk a little bit about safety management today. So maybe we could start there. Sure. Thanks a lot, Greg. First of all, thanks for, for having me today. Yep. It's a great pleasure to be here. Uh, yeah, to my person, it's um, so I'm the CEO and co-founder of ASQS. Uh, ASQS stands for Advanced Safety and Quality Solutions. So my background is um, I started to work in the airline industry. So I was five years in the quality department of a regional operator. Uh, back then we had about 65 aircraft. Okay. Uh, and actually it was my first time I was related with, uh, with IT development because my boss back then asked me if I can program. I said, yeah, of course, sure. Didn't. Couldn't, but well, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know that. <laughs> and he actually asked me um, if I would, if I can develop a simple tool for for quality management. So basically, preparing audits from the regulations, selecting the questions, running all the audit uh, process. So that was for my my company uh, for Tyrolean Airways back then. Then uh, 2005, I changed to a pretty large um, VIP operator um, out of Luxembourg, uh, okay. so a small country in Europe. So they had two AOCs, one in Austria, one in Luxembourg, and uh, I was nominated there to become the, the group uh, quality manager, compliance uh, management uh, director. Um, yeah. I learned a lot of things about the business aviation uh, there. Okay. Um, doing all the internal and external audits. And then when 2007, 2008 uh, in Europe, there were the first talks about safety management system. Um, we had the internal discussion. We knew we will need a software application for that. Um, the products on the market, first of all, they were extremely expensive uh, back then. So, mm -hmm. so my CEO said, no, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> look for something else. <laughs> and that's when the idea came up uh, that we start uh, developing our own uh, application. So we okay. created uh, ASQS in 2009, uh, back then still in Luxembourg. Um, very small. Um, so we are three partners in the company, but um, yeah, one of uh, a friend of mine, Started with all the development. I did basically all the rest uh, at the beginning, you know, sales, support, accounting, whatever it sure. takes uh, to, to run a company. Sure. Um, we got the first small customers, uh, small uh, business chat operators. Um, so for the first three, I think three years, just the two of us, I yeah. was still uh, parallel to that, uh, the quality manager of my ex uh, uh, company of Global Chat. And then really when we got the first uh, airline customers, that's when the company really uh, took off. So today we operate out of three offices. So we moved our headquarters to still in Europe, in Vienna, Austria. Okay. Since 2017, we operate an office in uh, Bangkok uh, for the uh, Asia-Pacific region. And since last year, we have an office in Calgary uh, to support the, the North and uh, Latin American market. Very cool. And so, um, yeah, we're down here in Florida. He came in for uh, for a quick visit, but before uh, before stopping here, I think you were in Atlanta for Correct, an yes. event. Um, what what was what was that event all about? What's uh, what's happening in the world of? Uh, I think it was the Air Safety Summit. Exactly, it was yeah. the Air Safety Summit uh, organized by Flight Safety Foundation. Yeah, um, sure. 
Yeah, it was all about, you know, uh, where are we with SMS, especially now after COVID. Um, what uh, What is changed through COVID, uh, especially in the safety environment. Uh, many discussions about, you know, how can we improve the culture, uh, safety culture in the organizations? What are we learning uh, from those difficult two years, uh, especially on the airline sure. uh, industry? Uh, also, tech companies showed uh, their products. Uh, so also we exhibited there. Uh, for us, it was really important seeing again our partners um, where we have integrations with our applications, discussing new possible um, integrations. Um, and of course, uh, you know, connect with the industry. Um, as I said, we are pretty new here in uh, North America um, sure. with an office uh, meeting, you know, the airline industry, especially here because it was a pure um, airline um, event with more on the top executive uh, level, but uh, very interesting talks and uh, very fruitful discussions, um, which we had. And a uh, great event to be back. You know, it gives cool. me the opportunity traveling here to the US, uh, meeting also customers, uh, talking with potential clients. So it's a fantastic opportunity. Very cool. And so what what are some of the trends that you're seeing over the last few years with safety management and the, the technology? Um, where what, what trends are you seeing, whether it's in commercial or in the business side of things? Definitely the trend is, is there is a lot of about the discussions, how can we improve the safety culture? So how basically how can we motivate operations personnel um, that they're filing safety um, information? Because of course we know people or the operations personnel pilots, they have their long duties and we still yeah. have to motivate the people to to take the time to share their, their safety-related uh, experience uh, during the flight. So what we see a lot is the discussions, how can we reduce the burden um, for operations personnel to really file also the safety uh, information, what they are experiencing um, during um, the, the operation? And based on that, of course, improving our safety management system. So what we do here a lot is really um, we believe it is important People have to file all these reports, fill a lot of fields, uh, you know, what was the departure, the destination, which aircraft was I on. And all this is information we have in other platforms, um, sure. what what the companies are using, no matter if I'm a business jet operator or an airline. Mm -hmm. So what we really see here is the growing demand um, that we can connect these tools. Um, it was something traditionally we have done already in the past for our airline customers mainly linking the system with their crew scheduling um, application. But um, just now we, we are finalizing an integration with our partner, um, uh, Aviobook. Um, it's an EFB provider um, okay. out, of, uh, out of Belgium. Um, we thought, why should we take the data from uh, the crew scheduling system, which might be already a few hours outdated uh, when uh, the crew member is, is doing the flight and identify the safety issue. So we are getting more accurate data, um, more data what we can pre-fill the information and basically making it much, much more simple for the reporters. Um, so for anyone in the organizations that they can share the safety information and also effectively provide them a feedback. Because as we know, if I file some, some report, I take the 10, 15 minutes eventually to file all this information, then I also want to know what did the company do right. um, with my information. So this is a lot what we're working on, especially to to improve here the safety cultures of sure. customers. Yeah, so when, you know, what I hear from a lot of operators and, you know, over the past and in, in the past, um, you know, if I'm a pilot, yep. I have so much paperwork yes. that I need to fill out. And 
I've seen where you have crew members that they know, hey, I have to fill out this pre-flight pre -flight checklist, for instance. And a lot of the cases, they're just trying to get through that as, as fast as possible, yes. right? There's a lot of redundant information. Yes. Um, in the past, some, some of that was done on paper. Some yeah. of it required, um, you know, having a laptop open or, you know, after a flight was completed, going back to the hotel yes. and, you know, completing these reports. So how, how has the, the technology changed to kind of streamline some of those, you know, some of those functions. What's the, I guess there's a, a mobile component to of it, course. the integrations. Yes. Um, what are, what are some of the, the pieces of data and kind of the new technology that's now part of this to streamline that? Really, it is the integration with the existing uh, infrastructure, what the, the customers are uh, using. And as you said, I mean, it's it's time consuming. Uh, the crews might be tired um, after the flights. And for them, it's just another piece of paper um, they, they have to fill. And I think that's where we can do a lot with the technology. And that's what we see a lot um, that also... Uh, even smaller organizations now approach us and say, look, we use this in that application. Right. Um, a lot of the data, what we want to see just as generic information in the report, we have populated there. So what can you do to, to link these systems? And as we also know, I think the trend in uh, for all the tech companies is all the products are now API-based. Um, sure. So there is an effective way to, to exchange information between um, the different platforms. And that's what we see in the recent years, actually. So from any of the tools used, not just for the big airlines, but also really the tools that are on the market for smaller organizations have these API components. And then it's straightforward to, to connect it. So we just map the relevant data, what uh, our customers are looking for, what they are requiring uh, to have in the forms. Um, to make it also then easier for the safety department, because if I know that data, uh, that the general data in the report was taken from a verified source, so any other application, cruise scheduling or the, the flight planning application, of course, I know I have the correct data and I, I can focus on the content of the report and the rest is mainly for statistical information. So the better we can connect these tools and um, since all or the majority of the platforms on the market now provide these APIs, it's really simple uh, for the providers to connect actually. Sure, for sure. And so you, you guys serve both the commercial yes. market and the business aviation market. You have operational experience in, in both of those types of organizations. From a technology perspective, um, how how easy is it to plug in your product to either type of mm. operation? What's the what's the overlapping capabilities and maybe some of the benefits that you can deliver from like the commercial space, maybe down into the the business aviation space? Definitely what we see is that of course the, the commercial space they always for any kind of these integrations the first runners. So, of course, they have these requirements at the much earlier stage. Sure. Um, so things we were required to to connect three, four, five years ago, it was purely for our commercial side. But now we see also this demand uh, from the smaller um, operators. So the from our side, it's pretty straightforward. Our customers tell us we use software XYZ. Mm -hmm. This is what we want to connect with. And we just realized it. So it's, it's not a big effort so normally it's uh, you know a week from a few days maybe two uh two three weeks okay. um just discuss with the partners um so with the other providers um our customers are working with 
asking for the API uh, documentation, um, coordinating of course, of course with the customers, which information do they require, and then just we realize that. Sure. And so, you know, inside of the application mm. with whether it's, you know, the checklist or the reporting, how configurable is that to each individual operation? We focus on it that we completely adjust it to all our customers individually. So it's not an out-of-the-box uh, configuration where we say, okay, you only have this or that option. What our approach is, we really want to understand um, how do our customers work we know we, we all have to comply with the same rules. We all operate under an uh, AOC or uh, as a 91. Um, we still apply the same rules. But at the end of the day, every organization is different. Every organization has different requirements, and this is what we are looking into. So this is exactly from our side. We do not want to provide a solution, just you know, standard configuration, live with it or take another sure. tool. We really sit together with our customers, we discuss their requirements, and also while they are working with the product, we want to be in regular contact here. Continue. We know organizations change uh, over the years, and uh, what, we, what was good two years ago might not fit today. And exactly, I think, especially in a, in a quickly involve, evolving environment like safety management, um, what we see at all these conferences, the system must be adaptable and that the system must go with the trend um, what is out there in the industry. And that's what we try to do for our customers. Gotcha. Um, and in regards to that culture, mm. kind of going back to the beginning of the conversation, some of the things that were um, being discussed at the Air Safety Summit, um, what are what are the different ways that they're looking to kind of promote this safety culture? And I know, you know, traditionally, as I thought about safety, it's always involving the pilots. Um, and I know that there's some regulations that are, you know, coming down the line and maybe in the next year or two yep. to get maintenance more involved and engineering. What are you? What are you seeing in regards to that culture and and spreading that to different areas of the organization? I think it is, as you said, traditionally it's more a pilot. Uh, pilots, I think, are more used to, to that um, that they're filing safety uh, reports. I think it's already in the training a lot. Uh, so if you're in the flight school, sure, uh, sharing information. And what we traditionally see is that there is the yeah, the motivation, let's say it in that way, from engineers a little bit lower. So traditionally, companies get less safety information from the maintenance side. But I think there is there's also a reason for it because the engineers, anyhow, they have to fill their uh, maintenance planning tools, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, where if there is a technical defect, all of that is recorded um, in these applications. And of course, I understand the engineers why should they fill more or less the same information again in the safety management uh, sure. tool. And I think that's also the the approach uh, from the engineers a lot. We manage um, everything in our applications, um, what we have for for the maintenance side. There's everything inside. Mm -hmm. And that's why, again, here it is essential that uh, the SMS application can talk again to um, to the maintenance maintenance planning tools. And that's also integrations we have just uh, completed with some of the products out there on the market um, that... 
if engineers enter certain kind of defects, uh, mm, that this will be automatically pushed into the SMS platform. And okay. therefore, they don't even have to think about it. Does it is a safety report required? Yes or no? Because we built that in into the um, uh, yeah into the technology into the applications um, the company is using. Of course, everything what is human factors related. So I don't know. We have identified anything uh, in a dual inspection. Of course, it is safety related information. Sure. It would be still required from the engineers. But I think that this we can much more easily communicate to the engineers, um, build up better this culture. Um, if the the bulk of the information, just the hard facts, uh, you know, defect information, what is relevant to, to the safety management system, if this information is automatically pushed. Sure. of yes. data that's being shared both around, you know, safety data and culture and ways to promote safety. Um, is that happening in the business aviation side of things? I think it can be still significantly improved, let's say it that okay. way. But I think also the platforms are a little bit missing uh, on that side. Still, I think here in the US, it is much, much better compared to what we see, for example, in Europe, um, that, um, that there aren't really open open safety databases where you can find um, okay. reporting information. Of course, here you have the advantage, for example, with, with NASA database where you find uh, safety, shared safety information. But I think there's still a lot of opportunities um, out there because if we think about it, we should do a risk assessment. Let's say we get a new aircraft type um, into the operation. So something what is completely new for our organization um, and we should do a risk assessment uh, on that. And there is, of course, always the question from the operators, where should I get the data from? Um, sure. How should I define a probability of a certain hazard that it may affect my organization? if I don't have any historic data available. And I think there are also the regulators required to do more um, in that uh, perspective to better provide the access uh, to this kind of data. Of course, I understand it's always about uh, data protection, where especially sure. coming from Europe, uh, we know we have very strict uh, data protection regulations. Um, but it's safety data. Right. It, it's about improving aviation safety. So it's a benefit of the public um, if we guarantee um, a safer operation, if our operators have more safety-related data. Mm -hmm. So there are good industry initiatives. Um, of course, again, on the airline side, um, IATA IDX is definitely a good uh, platform for that. What I heard is uh, when talking with IATA that they also motivate business chat or executive operators uh, to join, uh, to provide their data. Sure. Because at the end of the day, we all share the same airspace, um, mm -hmm. of course. Um, and I think there's still a lot to be done um, in the future. Sure. Um, maybe, you know, organizations that can uh, do something in that perspective. But I think sharing safety data is not important within the organization. You know, we, we should uh, do that in terms of our safety promotion. But I think it's also helpful um, to share within the, the industry such kind of data. And therefore, conferences like just this week in Atlanta is perfect. They are openly are discussed about incidents and accidents that happened. What are the lessons learned? But I think it's also important to to discuss more the incidents or the smaller events. So it's just simple occurrences that we know what's what's happening out there. Sure. 
And so, you know, you you started the business in Europe and then yes. expanded into Asia. Now you're you've recently opened up a Canadian office. Um, what are maybe some of the the obstacles that you're seeing getting into the the North American market? Um, and maybe it's you know just maybe there's some cultural differences, yes. <laughs> some di- business differences, but I'm assuming there's also some regulatory differences between the the different regions. What's that like? Of course, there's the main difference is of course in Europe we do not differentiate between 135 and 121 uh, operators. In Europe, okay. you're either commercial or private. There's nothing in between. It doesn't matter. If you operate, let's say, a single citation jet on a commercial basis, or if you're Lufthansa with, I don't know, 300 uh, large aircraft, you have to comply to the same rules. Gotcha. And this is, of course, the big difference. I mean, the audience knows it better than I do. (laughs) Part 5 here in the US is currently only applicable to the 121 uh, Mm -hmm. operators, but not yet to 135, see if it's coming out uh, soon. Sure. Um, but based on that, of course, from a regulatory point of view, the executive in business aviation in Europe was required to implement SMS already in Europe in about, I think it was 2014. So we have nearly 10 years experience uh, on that. And we have seen a lot of evolvement um, on that side. I think what is really much, much better done here in the U.S. is to um, to risk assess the single flight, so the tra- traditional threats um, sure. or flight risk assessments which are performed. This is something what we do not see that much in Europe. So that's hmm. um, USS the airport. Um, we categorize airports uh, in A, B, and C airports. But this philosophy that you really go on every flight, um, you you do a full risk assessment for each flight, this is something we don't see as rigid as here in the US. On the other side, in Europe, we look more on a corporate level, mm-hmm. which risks there are. So um, we look about, you know, within the organization. I think it's traditionally Europe is, is highly regulated, sometimes sure. over-regulated. Sure. <laughs> um, but uh, I think based on that, also the organizations are a little bit more complex um, mm-hmm. of European um, organizations. And therefore, in Europe, we look a lot on a corporate level, which risks do we identify. We are required by the regulator to have a full um, hazard uh, list so that we can show, okay, these are the hazards uh, we have identified. Which safety controls do we have in place? So it's really more on a corporate level, but not on the, on the individual flight. And I think these are components we still can learn uh, from each other. So the Europeans really how flight risk assessments are sure. performed. Uh, there are fantastic tools out there in North America, I must say. Um, and on the other side, I still think that the corporate approach is essential, that we are aware of our top risks, that we are clearly aware which safety controls are weak, where do we have to enhance the safety controls implemented, and I think that's that's really where uh, we can learn from each other. And I think that's why it's also for us fantastic to see both sides um, of the Atlantic, uh, what's going sure. on. <laughs> yeah, sure. It seems like a lot of the SMS that's been put in place in the U.S. has been driven more off of, um, you know, these uh, kind of um, cert- uh, certifications yes. that are driven by yes. third-party certifications over uh, like a regulatory yes. standpoint, right? And so I think that's probably one of the the big differences. Um, 
it between the the US and Definitely, in yeah. Europe. But it's also beautiful. I mean, it shows that the the, the industry is kind of self-regulating. Sure, I think that's that, that's fantastic. Sure. I, I think that shows the importance of SMS because uh, if it wouldn't be such an important element, why would Wyvern, Argus, uh, Ispeo mandate um, it? And a big part of the industry is already fulfilling these things, and I think that's 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 amazing. Sure. And so, where where do you see safety kind of going from here? Are there, you know, whether it's an advance in technology or, um, you know, regulations, I, where does it, where does it move from here? I think a lot on the technology side. Um, again, what we see with the large operators, of course, it's about, you know, large companies tend to get a few thousand reports mm-hmm. by year or the very large ones even per month. And it's also, you know, somebody has to read this kind of information. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the the dangerous thing is always um, that there is a safety information coming in. And simply because of the amount of information that is coming in and in the large operators that a key information is overseen um, because it was not properly read or not properly understood. Um, we want to work in future more in the artificial intelligence direction. Sure. Um, we want here really to, to support... Again, first, of course, the large um, organizations that we can not automate the SMS. It will always need the, the human uh, interaction, right. but that we can better show to the users. Let's say you got it yesterday, 100 reports, 95 statistical information. We know these scenarios. We, we link it with the proactive risk assessments that we have done. We understand which safety controls failed, so we can automatically populate uh, the performance indicators, but there were, let's say, five cases where we have to focus on, um, which uh, need the human interaction. Um, unknown situations, for example, where we, we cannot put it into the picture what we have already. Sure. Or um, the different information is coming together, which um, which doesn't fit really um, what we know already in the industry, and that we have to take the resources on that because I think that's that's one of the ways we have to go. And again, with all these information we learn with the big organizations, that step by step, of course, we we can transfer that to the smaller organizations because if, when we have these um, AI tools and when uh, it knows already on a much bigger data uh, amount um, that we have assessed that that we can support the nose of the smaller organizations and really tell them um, what are the highlights in general in the industry? Does sure. the information they receive fit into that or is it something unusual? And again, that you have to take uh, the, the analysis here. So I see a lot of technology still to be developed um, on that side. It um, seems like there's a big opportunity for real business intelligence yes. to make its way into this Definitely, space. Yes. And obviously, when you look at the commercial operators, a lot more data, yes. a lot more moving parts, and maybe that will help in identif- building those trends and passing them down into smaller operations Definitely, yes. um, Definitely. For, for them to leverage. Um you know, there's that data aspect of, of things and kind of collecting that information from, you know, um, flight risk assessments, yeah. from the uh, crew management and scheduling tools, from flight planning. What about it actually plugging into the aircraft itself? Um, and, you know, I know that there's different feeds that could come yes. off the aircraft. How does that play into safety management and maybe today and then looking into the future? 
Today, of course, where it's available, we take the data from the FOCA mm-hmm. uh, program. Of course, it is uh, one of the the most important data sources we have okay. um, because, of course, it's it's objective. Sure. Uh, it's recorded data. We still need, of course, the information from the pilot while certain things uh, happen. That's why the, the interaction between the SMS uh, and FOCA is a part of it, but that we can link... The FOCA identified events with the reports, that's essential, but that's out there already today. We, for example, we connect with all the major providers for the FOCA uh, programs. But I agree with you. I mean, in the future, I also see it like this, that we get live information maybe from the aircraft and that uh, that we get this live information what can automatically populate maybe safety reports um, in the future and warn the, the crew member say there is something unusual um, on the flight and please file a safety report and that we better trigger the the crews immediately and that we don't have to wait um, a few days, a few maybe hours or days depending on on the system, that there was an event that we can better communicate and interact here with, uh, with the crew members. And I definitely think that this will be a trend in the future that's, that we have to look into that. Sure. And how do you, you know, you guys have been growing over the yes. last few years and how, how do you, how are you navigating from a, um, a business perspective and a growth perspective? There's so many different, you know, there's so many different um, channels, uh, integrations, data feeds, I guess, where are you focusing in on so that you're not getting distracted? Because um, I would imagine that's that's potentially a big obstacle for is, you. Yeah. Because development resources are yes. expensive. Take it could be you know take a lot of time to do these integrations. Where are you kind of you know uh, focusing your your time and your resources in that growth? What we have done about three years ago, uh, as we know, software is a life cycle, and the software sure. that is ten years old, you know, it's pretty old. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> When we started, you know, currently the system is based on PHP uh, because 13, 14 years ago, that was a standard uh, development tool. Uh, About three, four years ago, we we were sitting together in the management and said, where do we want to go in the future? And I said to my colleagues, wouldn't it be beautiful if we would have all the knowledge which we gained over 10 years and now start again with a blank page of paper and just build, build again yeah. uh, the system. So initially, of course, it was like a, a crazy idea. No, because we have the customers. We we cannot change completely the system, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. We took the decision to do it, actually. Um, awesome. we, we are changing the complete development uh, int- or technology. So we, we built the new system on Angular. Okay. Um, with a new database, new database structure. Um, and actually, we are releasing now in April the first component of the new system, so it will be our quality module. Okay. Uh, really, with the knowledge uh, we gained over the 10 years, so now uh, 13 and a half years, uh, and to really build it from scratch. And we do that now from component after component. So first it's the quality part. The next one will be our reporting part. Um, then we are just releasing a new risk management module, but also here still in the in PHP technology. But uh, this will then also come over to to Angular technology, because with these new development tools, we also build the system now from scratch. That it's highly integratable with other tools. So sure. of course everything API uh, based. We use the APIs for our own developments. Uh, so. 
to to be able to increase the flexibility of configurations of the system, but really to support this type of better integrations. Um, also, as I said before, AI, definitely we will not develop that from our side. We will look out there for, for uh, partners uh, who have developed these tools already. But then again, that we just push our data in and get the information back uh, through the APIs. So that's why did, I think this decision was so important for our company to say, let's do it again completely from scratch. Right. Um, of course, it creates certain burdens. Uh, obviously, sure. <laughs> you know, the customers didn't get so many new features in the last uh, two, three years, but uh, a lot of new functionalities are just coming out now sure. uh, with the new version. And uh, But much nicer design, better interface, uh, user interface. Uh, and further increasing the possibility to interact and right. integrate with other and, tools. And it makes building new features oh, yes. much easier. So much easier, right? yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we've done that in the past. We're actually in, an, in another company doing something very similar right now. You know, you always have the option of, okay, we're, you know, it's going to be a big project, okay. so do we just continue to kind of, you know, build upon and fix the the older technology or do you go all in and, you know, build something from scratch? And so it's a big decision. It often, you know, it, it's not all companies are successful in, in making that bridge, but I think if you start with a, you have a very clear plan on how you're going to do it and the, the process and the timeline, you come out on the the other side in a much better place. Definitely. To be honest, <laughs> I was extremely nervous. Sure. And it cost me a lot of sleepless nights. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, frankly speaking, sometimes, you know, when we got another feature request and again, the answer was, you know, we have to delay it for, I don't know, six months, 12 months. Um, I often doubted the decision, but now since we are now that far as we are, Mm -hmm. uh, we we invested so much time and we see now the results of the last two, three years in development and, you know, all the research of what, what is the, the best technology and all these things. I'm so glad that we have taken this uh, decision and I really have to say also to my colleagues, our CTO and uh, CEO, uh, they pushed a lot uh, in this direction and I'm really glad that they pushed me in that direction. So it, it was a fantastic decision. Very cool. And so I'd assume over the over the next year, a lot of your yes. operational and development efforts are in trying to trying to get as many of those features out on the new platform or new technology. Exactly. And as you said, the development, once you know how to work with the new technology and once uh, you, you have uh, this, this knowledge, then it's so much faster. Sure. So that, that's fantastic. And we also see it with our developers, how excited they are now with the new technology to work on. And of course, it's it's a complete new spirit, uh, and that's fantastic. Sure. sure. It also helps, I think, in attracting new talent and growing yes. the team, right? Because, you know, whether whether you're in you know service or sales, you know, obviously you have a, a new shiny tool that of you course. can that you can show off. But then, from a development standpoint, you know, the devs typically want to work with something that's you know, the latest technology, you know, they're spending their time building cool features, not necessarily tending to, 
you know, kind of older backends and exactly, some of the yes. problems with exactly. older technology. You're not attracting a, a young student from university if you tell them, okay, now you do again PHP development. Yeah, sure. uh, it's not that sexy for them. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Um, I guess anything that you want to hit on in regards to, you know, upcoming releases in the, you know, towards the end of this year or into next year, events that you guys are going to be at, you know, any anything you want to mention? Well, uh, as I briefly said, in January, we bring out our new risk management module. Uh, okay. it's, it's a significant enhancement. Uh, we showed it already during our last user conference. Uh, uh, we did a two-day event in October in Vienna. Uh, just uh, this week, there was another user conference in uh, Johannesburg, uh, South Africa. Okay. And we do another one uh, last week of November uh, in Bangkok. Um, so this new risk mo uh, management module is coming out. And then Q1, we are starting to release the new quality module, as I said, in the new technology, uh, new screen design and everything. Um, so there's a lot of things coming out. Um, on that side, we continuously work on our apps uh, to, to improve uh, that. And presently, a lot of integrations, uh, okay. new integrations. Um, so that's what we're really pushing on um, to, to link with all the tools our customers need uh, to have integrations. Uh, shows or events, uh, we had a lot of them in the last few weeks. Sure. Uh, I was traveling now basically more or less straight for four weeks, Dubai, Cologne or Germany, now the US. Next week I'm still in Canada. So um, that's it for this year. Okay. Uh, but next year uh, you will see this again at a lot of events. The schedule is not yet out there, but if you check our LinkedIn uh, profile, Sure. And we are promoting it there where you can meet us again personally. Okay. Sounds good. Well, I appreciate you making the stop down here and coming to chat with us and uh, making time for us in the in your busy travel schedule. <laughs> it was a pleasure to have you. And um, yeah, we'll talk soon. Excellent. Thanks also to you. Thank you really for having me. I hope it was interesting for your audience. And yeah, can't wait to be back soon here in Florida. It's always nice to be here. For sure. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you so much.